Well, hello everybody and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Monday, January the 15th, 2024. Yes, 2024 indeed. It is a new year and I am delighted to be with you. I haven't seen you for a month. That's my dad joke. I haven't seen you since last year. No, really. Um, it is so good to be back with you. I appreciate your patience as lots of different things have been going on. Had some wonderful adventures and I had a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and I pray that you did as well. But I'm excited because the new year is unfolding before us and we have the opportunity to have this time together. Very, very excited indeed. Um, what are we doing? We're picking up right where we left off. If you recall, the last time we were together, we were in Acts chapter 18, and that's where we're picking up today as we make our way through the book of Acts. Yes, Acts, in many ways, like the Genesis of the New Testament. It contains so many doctrines, so many principles, so many teachings, so much important history as to the formation of the church and, and what God did to build his church. It's the Acts of the Apostle, the Acts of the Early Church that we are studying. And again, so much is revealed about who we're supposed to be. And, and we're given so many opportunities to evaluate ourselves in light of what is contained therein. But again, I am so happy to have this time with you, and I hope that all of you, again, have had a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And I am excited about digging in together again in Acts and, and finishing it. Uh, well, I don't know when we'll finish it. We'll have to see when that happens. But we're going to take it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and I'm glad to have this time with you. Let's pray, and then we'll dig in. Our Father, we thank you for this time, and I thank you for everybody that's here, for their commitment, and I know that, that some have been here from the very beginning, every single one of these, and um, I think about how you have worked in my life as a result of these, and what a blessing you have been to me, and how many people you have brought my way that have also been blessings, and so I pray that this time would continue to glorify you and honor your name as we... Uh, we don't have any frills, nothing uh, nothing showy. We're just going through your word. But therein is contained your plan for salvation, who you are, uh, what you call us to do. Let us love your word, not just respect it. Let us love your word as we study it together. Pray your blessings on this time, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so where we left off the last time was with Paul in Corinth in Acts chapter 18, Corinth and the surrounding areas. And where we left off was really, go back and read a little bit. We left off at verse 11, but I want to go back to verse 9, verse 9 of, of Acts chapter 18. So go ahead and turn there with me. Acts chapter 18, verse 9, where we hear about this vision that Paul received from the Lord right? Verse 9 of Acts chapter 18, it says, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Now, now, what's important is the timing of this. This is one of those things where Silas and Timothy have been there. Paul himself has faced all sorts of trouble um, from the Jews, and, and that's really who the instigators are with Paul. If you haven't been with us all along, this is a good time to any as, as any to jump in, and I'm glad that you're here. But if you want to go back and, and listen to other devotionals from the book of Acts, you can certainly find them. 
Excuse me, I had to sneeze. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, you can go back and you can find all these. But you see this pattern emerging, right? Where you have Jesus you know, being ascended back into heaven. You have the church being formed. Peter's great sermon at Pentecost. Their numbers added to daily early on in the book of Acts. And you just see this cycle going where Paul or Peter or others will go into different cities. They'll carry the gospels or the gospel. What they will do when they get there is they usually go to the synagogue because they find they are Jews and God-fearing men that have some familiarity. They'll preach about Jesus. People will come to know the Lord. And surprise, surprise, the local Jews have a serious problem with this. So serious, in fact, that on multiple occasions, from chapter 1 to chapter 18, we've seen many, many attempts to crush the gospel. Many attempts to arrest Peter, Paul, others to make sure that these men are silenced. And what we find in chapter 18 is no different, right? Same stuff going on. The Jews have major, major problems with the gospel going out. Remember, y'all, and it never ceases to amaze me because you, you got this thing where it's like, oh, the Jews are God's chosen people. And I'm not even going to get into that, not even going to go there this morning. You can go back and look at other devotionals about this. God's chosen people are the seed of Abraham, right? And the seed of Abraham is Jesus and those who put their faith in Jesus, all right? Read the book of Galatians. If you got a problem with that, it ain't with me. It's with, it's with God because he breathed it out through Paul. But nevertheless, people have some confusion about the Jews and what they really believe about Jesus. Know this. Jews rejected Jesus, okay? They crucified Jesus. He died for the sins of all those who would trust in him, but the Jews were the ones that turned him over to Pontius Pilate, and the Jews were the ones that said, hey, we have no king but Caesar, okay? So don't be confused. The Jews do not like Jesus, okay? Did not like Jesus, did everything they could to try to destroy the gospel because they rejected the gospel. And anybody that went out and preached the gospel, that was their enemy. They went after them. That's what's been going on. Hence the vision that Paul receives. Different things precipitated this. And it's fascinating here because we never really get into the personal side of Paul. Not in the book of Acts, at least. Later on, we will. I mean, when he deals with, with different churches, you see much more of his personality, much more of his inner thoughts and workings coming out. We just don't have this here. Was Paul existing in great fear? No, I don't think so, but we have this vision where he tells them to keep on going and not to worry. Now, would you like an example of what that looks like? I'm glad that you would, because that's exactly what we get and where we pick up today. That was through verse 11. Where we pick up is verse 12. It says, while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. Okay, that term proconsul, okay, or proconsul, excuse me, is very important to understand how the Roman government was set up. Yes, I know this is Corinth, I get that. But remember, Rome is the center of the empire, hence the Roman Empire. And the way that all of this went down was that Rome would send their army into a major city, a major metropolitan area. They would a lot of times they wouldn't even defeat them. They didn't have to because that city would surrender. They were brought into the Roman Empire, right? And they were allowed to keep their own officials. A prime example of this is Israel, right? They had Herod. The Jews had their king-ish, you know. The way it was set up was that the Roman Empire really was in charge. You had local principalities, local governments. Those were left in place. But ultimately, they had to report to the Roman government. 
the Roman government was in charge. And so you had governors in areas, you had proconsuls in area, in a certain area, and that's what's going on here. We find out about this guy named Gallio. He was proconsul of Achaia, and we find out in verse 12 that the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. What does this look like? I don't know. You know, was it some raid in the night? Okay, did they arrest him one day when he was preaching? Again, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's not important. What is important is that term that is used, united attack. Read between the lines here, y'all. This is not just one Jew has a problem with Paul or he's run aground of, of one synagogue. No, 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 no. This is all the Jews in this area get together and realize it's pretty amazing because the Jews disagreed on quite a few things. You had different beliefs, different factions, but they put all of that together. And they put it together, put all of that, not together, they put all of that separate, put it all aside, and they band together against the gospel and against Paul. So they've made this united attack. Somehow, some way, they have brought him into court. Verse 13. Now, what are they going to say? Verse 13. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Verse 14. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names in your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. Now we learn something here. In what Galileo has said, we get the overall right at the beginning, where they bring him in and they say, hey, listen, he's saying that they need to worship in ways that are illegal. Then we don't get what they said, but but they had to say something in order for Gallio to put this statement together, right, about words and names. Probably the Jews went to Gallio and they said, hey, they're saying that Jesus says he's the I am, that, that Jesus is actually God and he was crucified and blah, 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 blah. All of this stuff. But the picture that you get from Gallio is he, it's kind of like he's sitting there and it's like, hey, listen, if this were a crime, um, like a misdemeanor, you know, they didn't use the term felony really, but that's the idea that you get. If this were some type of violent crime, it would make complete and total sense for you to bring this man here so that I would hear him in my court. But this is not about a crime against the Roman Empire. This is about your belief system. Y'all deal with it. That's in essence what Gallio has said here. And there's a reason for that. If you're reading this, you're like, well, if it's against the law, then why doesn't Gallio care if it's against the law? It was against the Jewish law, okay? this Remember, like I said, it's important to understand how the Roman government, the Roman Empire really, was set up. Local municipalities were allowed to have their own leaders, and, and, and they ended up reporting to Rome. In the same way, the Roman government, when they invaded an area, when they assumed something into the Roman Empire, that area didn't have to get rid of their gods, their goddesses, their religious system. Ultimately, they would have to bend the knee to Rome, right? And, and ultimately, Roman emperor worship would be elevated to such that in paying tribute to Rome, it was like a confession to the true God. That's what would get Christianity in so much trouble later on because Christians refused to recognize Caesar as God. But at this point, Y'all, this, this perfectly fits into the Roman Empire. Basically, what Gallio is saying is, hey, look, Roman proconsul here, I don't have anything to do with your theology. I don't care 
what names he's using for God. You know, in the Roman Empire, you had this endless pantheon. Even from Rome, you had the Roman pantheon, right? And I always go back to Greek because that's what I learned in middle school, the Greek names, right, where it was like, uh, you know, like Poseidon, but the Greek or the Roman god was Neptune, and, and Zeus was the, the Greek god. Um, I believe it's Jupiter for the Roman god. But Rome itself had all these different gods and goddesses. There was no such thing as one true god to Rome. That's what Gallio is really getting at here. And he's saying, so why are you even bothering me with this stuff? This doesn't, this doesn't mean anything to me. What's the point of you bringing this to me? And so they basically, he basically says, all right, you guys deal with it. Now, what happens next is pretty interesting. But in verse 16, we find out, so he had them ejected from the court. In essence, you know, they're bum rushed out. And he says, hey, quit wasting my time with this stuff. Now, if it were not for what we began reading, it would be like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. But y'all, when you evaluate what we started reading in verse 12, this business with Gallio, when Paul's about to open his mouth, he doesn't even have to speak. Doesn't that bolster this vision that he's received? Y'all, there's a lesson here. A couple of lessons, really. The first lesson is this. The gospel can never be stopped. The gospel, I'll say it again, the gospel can never be stopped. No one can stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason nobody can stop the gospel of Jesus Christ is that while God uses us, has called us to carry the gospel, remember John chapter 2, when it comes to the gospel, the spirit blows where it will. As Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 2, the spread of the gospel, while it involves us human as a spirit, humans, that's a spiritual reality. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church or its building. And no, I don't mean physical building. I, I mean the building up of the church is not going to be able to be stopped. The gospel keeps going. But also, the other lesson here is when God says, hey, listen, don't worry about this. It's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of it. As he said in the vision, God really means it. And this ought to hearken back to something for us, right? It ought to, to hearken back to the words of Jesus himself, okay? Jesus in, in, in Matthew chapter 10 is talking about what's going to happen to the disciples, okay? Sending them out, remember, sending them out to go and do their work. Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 17, Jesus says, be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. Hey, does that sound familiar? Go back. Isn't that exactly what happened to Paul? Yeah, it, it is. And, and isn't he being handed over right here? Um, verse 18, on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. Sound familiar? <laughs> That's exactly what's going on with Paul in Acts chapter 18. Verse 19, though, you know, Paul has received his vision earlier about God saying, hey, don't worry about it. Keep on going. But what does Jesus say? But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. 
Now, y'all, that's the generalized promise made by Jesus to his disciples about what to do when the world treats them like the world treats Jesus, treats him. Now, Jesus is talking about how he's going to suffer and die, all the, the injustice, all these things. He said, hey, listen, in the same chapter, he'll say, no servant should think more highly of himself than his master. You know, if they do this to your master, they're going to do it to you too. But we get one better here with Paul. Not only do we see that the gospel can't be stopped, that's the first lesson. The second is, God always keeps his word. And not only did Paul not even have to worry about what he was going to say, when he opened his mouth to speak, he didn't even have the opportunity. Why? Well, because the Lord intervened, that's why. It's interesting how he intervened. He used a pagan like Gallio, this Roman proconsul who, you know, we have no idea about his level of religious commitment to Zeus or, or, or whomever it might have been. doesn't matter. We know that he doesn't know a thing about Judaism, and, or even if he does, he doesn't care. So he's a pagan. He is a non-religious man. But the Lord even uses him to intervene and to protect Paul. Now, What's the application for you and me? Fast forward 2,000 years or so, and we have two lessons that we should keep in mind. Number one, the gospel can't be stopped, y'all. As crazy as things get in the United States, and if you're like me and you turn on the, the television, you're like, goodness, what is wrong with people? People are crazy. People have lost their minds, and it looks like everything's just falling apart. The gospel can't be stopped. It has gone forth before throughout the ages. It will continue to go forth until Jesus comes back, until the last person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life is saved. The gospel will go forward until it reaches that last individual. And at that time, Jesus is coming back. After the last person is saved that is going to be saved, Jesus is coming back. That's just how it works. Nothing will stop the gospel, no matter how crazy it gets out there. So take heart. And if you doubt this and you say, yeah, but things are really bad, don't just focus on America. Look at what the Lord is doing around the world. Look at what the Lord is doing in Africa now, y'all. We're talking about areas where Islam has taken such hard hold of things. The gospel's penetrating those areas. Areas where witchcraft is practiced, where human sacrifice is not only practiced, it's endorsed, it's blessed, even by governing authorities. The gospel is penetrating that rocky soil and it's breaking it to pieces. Communist China, I mean, y'all, Hindu India, the gospel can't be stopped. Sometimes it's easy for us to forget that as we look at things in the United States, but don't forget. And what else does this have to do with you and me? Promise, promises, y'all. Uh, lesson number two, God keeps his word. I don't know what's going to happen in the United States. I get asked this all the time, especially when crazy stuff happens. I do not know. Um, I do not know where we fit into prophecy. It's interesting. A lot of times, and this isn't so much the same anymore, but there was a time when people would talk about the book of Revelation, like, okay, which one is the United States? And then I could say it, but now I can especially say it. Look, if you're looking for the United States in the book of Revelation, newsflash, we ain't the good guys, Okay. We're, we're part of the abomination. But nevertheless, people say, well, what does this prophecy mean for us? What's going to happen here? How bad is it going to get? I don't know. And you don't know. Nobody knows. That's the Lord's business. 
But also, because it's the Lord's business, whether it's the words of Jesus that we just read in Matthew 10, whether it's this vision that we just read about what was going to happen with Paul that doesn't exactly apply the same way, the principle is still there, and that is, is that the Lord fights for his people. It's that if you know Jesus Christ, you are filled by the Holy Spirit. And when the time comes, you're going to know what to say because the Spirit is alive in you and is working. And so when you put these two ideas together, y'all, here it is, January 15th, 2024. It would be easy to conclude that everything's fallen apart, but God's still in charge. And I have very great hope for the future. And you should too. Not based on us, no, not based on our ability to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, you know. Uh-uh. Our confidence for the future should be placed on Jesus Christ and the fact that the gospel goes forth. And there's a third thing here. You know, this principle is revealed all throughout Proverbs, right? The idea of the fowler being caught in his own stare. The foot of the transgressor, transgressor shall slip. What happens next? Back to Acts chapter 18, right? <clears throat> Verse 16, so they had them ejected from the court. Verse 17, then they all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. But Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. Now, what, what's this? Who is Sosthenes? Where does he even come from? Well, Sosthenes was, again, the ruler of the local synagogue. The idea here, we don't know exactly, but the idea here is, is that Sosthenes, since he was the local guy, he was the guy in charge of the Jewish synagogue, probably he was the one that mounted the attack, and he was the one that said, aha, no, we'll get before Gallio, the proconsul. Then he'll deal with Paul. Kind of the idea that we get is that he was so wrong in his approach, so foolish in how he handled things, that the Jews not only didn't get Paul like they wanted to, they had to make somebody pay. And so Gallio got a good beating for it. Or excuse me, Sosthenes got a good beating for it. And Gallio, yet again, didn't even care. He's like, what did he say? Oh, the Jews are just being the Jews. Let them do their thing. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, we don't know. But don't we see kind of like the Keystone Cops going on here? In the midst of these promises where the gospel goes forth and can't be stopped, in the midst of the promise that God will provide a way, that God fights for his people, and we don't have to worry, it adds a certain poignancy to it. It's almost comical that the guy who really set out to attack Paul, he himself ends up with a horrible beating. A little bit of poetic justice there shows you that God takes note of such things. And God takes note of what's going on in the world around you too. And he's working. Everything is not lost. God is active. For this, the first devotional of 2024, as we're going forward together, I think this is a good idea, a good mindset to have as we go forward. Take heart, dear Christian. The gospel is moving forward. As they said in the line, the witch in the wardrobe, Aslan is on the move. If you don't catch that reference, that's okay. Write me and we'll talk more about it. But Jesus and the gospel of Christ is on the move and can't be stopped. Let me pray. Our Father, I thank you so much for this time. The fact that we are back, the fact that we have this history where we see you intervening. Help us not to worry, but instead to trust to trust in you more and more. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.
Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. here and on Sermon Audio. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have this time with you and how much you all encourage me. Thank you so much for being a part of this time with me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. See you soon.